Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. And welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby. It doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Although I take myself very seriously as I'm an undefeated champion of the M- of the ADM Premiership League as of yesterday. I am JB and I am here with Phil. Hello, Phil. Congratulations, JB. Again, we're going to have ev- every week is going to be more congr- congratulations. It's going to be congratulations for 52 years since I finally lose. 50, being, a, being a champion 52 years 52 50, years like 50, 50, <laughs> 50, 52 weeks <laughs> although I did say I never want to drink another beer as, as not a champion <laughs> are you so, going to retire so you can just retire undefeated no I don't think that works I don't think it works you've got to go out and get another championship now yeah okay I'm basically like Tom, Tom Brady I'm hooked on championships <laughs> you're going to retire when you've got uh, enough rings to cover both hands exactly enough, and a- enough ADM rings for both hands <laughs> and all your toes <laughs> yeah so I've got I've, I've got some got some good going yeah well, well done so how does it feel to be a champion well uh, the champion stuff I was a champion a few weeks ago but undefeated <laughs> was uh, was pretty cool yeah very good now before I continue about being, being an undefeated champion uh, Tim how are you down the line yeah, apologies that I can't be there. I mean, I congratulated you in person a couple of weeks back, but yep. I've prolonged the ability for me and Phil to shower you with uh, congratulations at the same time in person. So hey. apologies, yeah. Well, yesterday we played against West Park St. Helens. I've got a few things to say about this. But do you know who I played against? No. Right, I'm going to say... West Park St. Helens, so a former rugby league player. Yeah, former rugby league. Rugby league, okay. And rugby union player. Okay. And I'll tell you who he played for Rugby Union, Harlequins, and he won a title with them. In 2012? Yes. Or whenever they won. It was about then that they won it. Ooh. Okay. So, someone that played Rugby League I'm, in 2012. Sorry, played Union for Harlequins in 2012 and Rugby League. Mm-hmm. He's also been to a World Cup. God. <laughs> Um, oh, who did so, I'm, so I'm guessing he is like a South Islander. Yeah. He played for Quinns uh, and then played for Tonga. Samoa. So Samoa. who did he play for in Rugby League? St. Helens. I think he might have even played for England or Great Britain. <clears throat> you're going to you're gonna have to tell me. I'm going to say his name right now. Mo, uh, Maurice Fossum. Fo, 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 That's the one. 
And who played in six uh, for them for for Quins? Yes, and I can confirm he still hits like an absolute hammer, <laughs> an absolute hammer. Did you did you get tackled by him? No, and I also didn't make a tackle on him either. So <laughs> sensible. Yeah, he was coming down. So there was no opportunity for him to say podcast that. <laughs> Even though you just have, yeah, exactly. So he um, was running down a channel which was which was occupied by me, and then was vacated by me when um, <laughs> our captain came across to also occupy the channel. I thought your man, and uh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's just uh, self-preservation. That's important. You've yeah, got family to think about, JB. Yeah, well, absolutely right. But we we have a scrum half at scrum half at Tock H. He's one of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet, and I've never seen him angry, and. The look of disgust in his face at what I just did. And he went, you absolute pussy. <laughs> and just like, disgust, <laughs> hatred. Rightly like, so. I was like, I, do you know what? You've, you've, got, yeah, you've got an opportunity to, to tackle a rugby, bit of a rugby legend there. Yeah. And you've backed out of it. I know, he is massive though. Like some people, when you meet them in real life, you're like, yeah, okay. No one near as big as I thought, thought they'd be. No, this guy is just as big. And when you get closer to him, you realise exactly how how, like, how big he is. So, so I've, just, I've just looked him up. I mean, you've just shown, JB, you've just, you've just shown a lot of uh, courage to admit that to a whole, well, to the world via the Egg Chasers podcast. If only you'd shown that kind of bravery when he was running at you. Yes, yes. quite. <laughs> <laughs> well, once it was out, it was out. You know, there's no containing that story. You know, you, you can't, do da- <laughs> can't do damage limitation. So, so just, quick question. Uh, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, you talk go, about Far Saliva. Yeah, I just looked him up. 6'3", uh, 112 kg is his listed weight, um, although he may well be bigger than that now. He's he's 42 yep. now. Uh, and he did. He played for Quinns for four years, winning the title. Played for Oyana for four years. But before that, he had seven years with St. Helens. As a, do you know what position? He's listed as. Is he a prop, mate? Yeah, listed as a prop, which he's yeah. about the right size. That for makes sense. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah. He also so in so this is interesting. He played for Great Britain and England, two caps for Great Britain, three caps for England, twenty eight caps for Samoa um, in rugby union. For St Helens, he played one hundred and sixty four games, scoring thirty nine tries for, for a prop. Is not a bad strike rate at all. Uh, the boy can run. He he <laughs> he can run all right. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so I'm going to double round. Phil, Phil I... Oh, sorry. No, no, after you... No, no, you, fin- you, you finished the Far Saliba stuff, because I, w- I was going to ask Phil a question related to something you just said before that. Well, I'm going to double round... I'm going to double back on this game, because um, I want to talk about something which happened in this game, but is actually the real issue for basically all grassroots rugby, from what I can tell, at, at the okay. moment. But we'll save it for later. Okay. All right. That's, put a pin in that one. I was just going to ask Phil, because as JB was saying about winning a championship uh, at, his, at his level... Um, I don't think I've ever lifted a league trophy as a player. So, um, definitely with the twos at Sedgley and with uh, Lancaster University, lifted one. Um, that's oh, well yeah. Done. So a, a couple, but not nothing as. I thought you'd have got promoted with Sedgley because it. No, never, never got promoted. Got relegated a couple of times. Essentially, so, never got promoted so with, weirdly, when I was playing. Yeah. The guys that have got the most rele- most um, titles that I know who have played, you know, who've won leagues, are also the same guys that have been relegated the most because you mm. either mm. are in a team who never go up, or you're yo-yoing back and forth. There's not yeah. really much in between. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that was my point. We are at the, the you know the business end of the season. A lot of leagues have already concluded or are about mm. to or very soon to. And if you're fortunate enough to be in or have been in a side that has won first 15 championship, enjoy it because that is a very, very rare thing. Yeah, it is. Well, it's taken you 20 years, JB. Indeed it has, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think we're the only... The only other undefeated team in the country outside of Stockport. So Northwest has ah. the two undefeated teams in the country. That's cool. That is cool. Mm. Uh, that is that is pretty cool. Uh, shall I just do the boring housekeeping? Yes, do that. Yeah. So th- this is Egg Chasers, as you know. Thank you for listening. And one way you can support us, if you appreciate the fact that we are the original rugby podcast, the only podcast that is there for you every single Monday morning, 52 weeks of the year, into well into our ninth season, nearly finished our ninth season, nearly, well, yeah, closing in on 10 years mm. uh, and and over 600 episodes. If you appreciate that, then there's a number of ways you can support us. Firstly, well, you're listening. Thank you for that. Secondly, by telling a mate. Thirdly, by uh, subscribing. Also leaving a five-star review or going to patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. Thank you very much for that. And you can always email contacteggchasers at gmail.com and we've had, uh, once again, some great correspondence on a brilliant weekend of European rugby. Yes. It was a, it was a good weekend, this. And I, I just, I want to revisit a comment from, from I think we all <laughs> expressed this sentiment a little bit, um, to varying degrees last week, about the um, surprise and slight disappointment at two-legged um, knockout rugby, which... I don't think I, I, I try to think back as to whether I can remember this happening ever before two-legged rugby games. Maybe the not in a serious competition, no. Well, the championship finals, championship, yeah. Because I, the one playoffs. of the questions I asked to, to Rob Baxter before the game at Exeter was, Rob, you, you are one of the only people in the sport to know yeah. how a, two, a two-legged tie changes the dynamic. So, tell us. Um, because, yeah, I was thinking, and it, that was 12 years ago when Exeter beat Bristol in a two-legged final, playoff final to reach the Premiership. But other than that, it does not happen. I, I am, I was sceptical. I'm less sceptical now, having seen a weekend. I still am not a huge fan of it. Where I, I let, I'll let you emphasise the positive, Phil, because I can, I can hear that's where you're going, which is absolutely right. The one thing I'm not a fan of is the fact that it's got given us more of the same country ties. So the La Rochelle v Bordeaux and Stad v Racing and Bristol v Sale, that feels less special than the cross-league competitions, which, as a double-header, I'm all over Ulster to lose and Munster Exeter now. They are going to be amazing yeah. occasions. Yeah, I, I do... I get that point. Um, like, for example... The, well, the two of the games that I didn't really watch were the Stade Francais Racing game and the Sale Bristol game because they they just feel less special. But some of the other games were absolute crackers, and mm. there are there's there's only I mean the the Leicester Claremont game I think that's probably done. Every other game I think is to play for. Yeah, but I mean even Leicester Claremont, you look at the quality that Claremont have got. I mean, no. we think it might be done, but they've got... No, it's done. It's I, done. Well, let's wait it and sh- see. It should be done. I mean, that... They won't... I bet they don't even send a full first team. Well, you mentioned... No, that's the, a good point. You mentioned the quality that they've got, and they have got some quality players. I mean, the, the best two players were the two wingers, I thought, from from Claremont. They were so dangerous the whole time. 
but they they've got players like seeing Fofana and Lopez and Para. You're thinking this is like 2012 vintage yeah. Claremont. This they are a bit long in the tooth in in areas. That said, I mean halfbacks can last for a long time because they can. They, they, in fact, if anything, they, they can better with time. I'd say they they can get better with time. I think they, I think this Claremont team is not the greatest incarnation of a Claremont team. No, I'd agree with that. But then I look at the rest of that backline. And there is an awful lot of dynamism which you surround those older lads with. So, I mean, Fafana, he's an older boy, but he's, he's still bloody what, quick. What did they lose by in the end? 19 points. That, that, they'll, they'll go, we need to focus on the top 14 because they're not having a great season there either. Yeah. So they'll, I, I think they won't even bother sending a full team to Leicester. So, yeah, I agree with you, Phil. That, that one feels done. It but feels... You're, you're right. There's, there's everything to pay for in the other games. Yeah, every other game. Now... You'd say that Connacht is probably an uphill battle to go to Dublin yeah. against Leinster. They're probably not going to get anything out of that. Um, and Stade Francais, they lost at home to a team that is considerably better than them. So that, that one yeah. is probably done. But the rest of them, there's some exciting ties coming ahead. And the, the Exeter Munster game, that's going to be an absolute cracker at Thorman Park. Toulouse-Ulster is going to be dynamite. Bordeaux-La Rochelle was a great game. And that the second leg of that is going to be spicy, and I think the Montpellier Harlequins game is going to be dynamite as well because Quins did not put in the best performance of themselves. Montpellier took all of their opportunities and won mm. pretty. I mean, they were thirty-four, they were thirty-four nil up at one point. So <laughs> Quins not playing their best stuff, but they did show uh, through Lewis Liner that they've got enough firepower to cause anyone trouble. Uh, yeah, if only, they'd, if, if only they'd played Caden Murley, God knows what they, like, what they could have done. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that Montpellier game is really interesting because Montpellier were up, but they never seemed to trust themselves. I mean, Caden Murley did play 60 minutes in the game. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, they didn't seem... I'll tell you one thing, one person who has been listening, or two people who have clearly been listening to the podcast lately, Louis La- Lewis Liner, one, yes. yep. semi-randrandra. Oh, well, look, he does one good thing and everyone thinks it's Christmas. You know, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. What, what do you mean it's fine? fine. He did one good thing. <laughs> look, look, look. He, he's going to do good things occasionally because he's a really good player who does good things occasionally. But, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be for me. Wouldn't, wouldn't be where my, where, where my salary cap is spent. <laughs> before, we go, before we go any further, I am just going to point out, just because I feel like I'm the only person that's actually talking about this, I haven't seen... I hardly see anyone. No, I haven't seen anyone mention it in the last week. I can't wait for this. We still, we still haven't had any resolution on the cancelled Worcester v uh, Gloucester v Worcester game. We still mm. it's over over three weeks. We still haven't had points awarded. So I'm telling you, the longer this goes on, the more I am convinced that there is some potential wrongdoing here, and that Worcester could face a significant chunk of change that they're going to have to give to Gloucester in, in compensation. What I don't understand, how, why does this always happen? Why do things always take this long to sort out? I don't know. Have you, have you ever dealt with Premiership Rugby? <laughs> like, have you ever actually... They've handed it over to someone else, but yeah, it's just another example of just substandard administration in my mind, as I see it from the, from, from the outside. Yeah. yeah, you're not wrong, mate. Uh, it does. It does show it's a, it's clearly a complex situation because most games you get an immediate judgment. Yeah, I'm amazed that the laws. Sorry, yes, the rules of the competition 
don't specify what happens here. I'm sure that they do, but yeah, why well, are these... Anyway, it doesn't matter. It'll resolve itself. We've gone over it in depth. I'm just yeah. pointing out, it's another week, and it still hasn't been sorted. But anyway, that's that's that. So just keep, keep watching that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, would you like to hear, hear about another scandal from down the National Leagues? Yes, please. Do you, would you like to hear one, Tim? All right, well, I'm here for a scandal, JB. That's what I mean. I'll just go back and say, it appears like there could be something dodgy. I'm not saying yes. that what I just described is a scandal, but it could be. It could, it could be. not be. Yeah. Yeah, so I say a scandal. It's not a scandal in any sense of the word, actually. In fact, it's more of a conspiracy, and it's maybe more of a made-up conspiracy that I've made up. But it doesn't <laughs> necessarily matter. <laughs> Take it the spirit which is intended. You've, you've stepped back quite a lot from your first statement, from scandal to made-up conspiracy. If you want it to be a, a, a scandal... <laughs> Be it for you. So, <laughs> there was a game this week, and it was at the bottom of nas- National 1. Darlington faced off against the mighty Plymouth Albion, and Plymouth Albion lost by two points. Mm. So I think it was 25-23 in the end. Now, that's not remarkable in of itself, but get this. This is the National Leagues. Do you know what Plymouth took up to um, up to Darlington? So that that is a long journey. Yeah. When you say what they took up to, as in the squad, team wise, team wise, yeah. The vehicle, okay. Um, t- second, well, second team. <laughs> they did their best. They did their best. They played a national one game with only three substitutes rather than rather than the five. What the bench was populated only by front row. There was a tight head prop playing on the flank, a number eight playing in the centre, and a, and a flanker playing on the wing. What? And they went to Darlington, and they nearly turned them over with that. Was Graham Dorr playing? Dusted, uh, off, yeah. his, dusted <laughs> off his boots. Well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, Plymouth found themselves in a situation where their players had been withdrawn from, um, from their squad. And a lot of their players are coming from Exeter Chiefs. And they've also got a few from Pirates. Now, for whatever reason it is, the rules of National 1 and the RFU dictate that they cannot sign any more players. So on Friday, there would have been people all in and around Plymouth who could have played, involved with Plymouth Albion, who could have played, mm. who would have signed the registration. Because oh, they don't have a second team, do they? They Plymouth. do not have a second team, ah, no. Ah, OK. So that makes sense. So they've not, they've, they will only have, say... 32 registered players yeah. or 35 registered players so for whatever reason it is the Cornish Pirates lads couldn't <coughs> play again and then Exeter recalled their on loan players Ooh. so really this game was going to be a, a Plymouth versus Darlington actually turns out to be Plymouth Exeter because you know I'm not saying that you know um, certain people might not want Plymouth climbing the leagues or being successful in Exeter, but there is still that deep burning rivalry from back from back in the day from people in Ex- in Exeter against Plymouth. But if if Exeter are lending um, lending Plymouth players, surely it's better that Plymouth are playing at a higher level so those players get the highest um, experience of rugby. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But uh, very very strange withdrawals. Apparently they were injuries of of of, of some of some sort. Presumably the strict rules around uh, loaning players or signing players towards the end of the season would it's designed to prohibit a team uh, totally changing their or signing in ten players for the playoffs. Yeah, I imagine when you investigate these laws a bit closer, they'll make a lot of sense. Yeah, and you'll see why they're there because of exactly that. You don't want to be last three games a season and you just spend all your money on signing. You, yeah, you spend 
200 grand in the last three games and yeah. get a load of on loan uh, all blacks who just come in and play three games exactly uh, South Africans have finished their super rugby season yeah I'm certain Exeter have acted with absolute honour and integrity on this one and if I can just for a moment um, I, I met some uh, players from Exmouth Rugby Club uh, mm. at Exeter who said hello and said hello to you boys and, and all the rest of it uh, top lads mm-hmm. uh, they suggested that in the off season, one of the questions we uh, we could ask is to just try and guess where each Premiership club spent their CVC money, which would be quite a fun little exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a great game. So Exeter have, but, got, but, have got a stand. But, but, <laughs> yeah, Exeter have got a stand and, as I saw now, a hotel that is very, very nearly finished and oh. looking fantastic. Did you go to the rooftop bar? They've got a rooftop bar. No, it, I don't, it's not open, but they do have a rooftop bar. And hey, we'll be in there having Negronis before long as the as the Devon sunset yeah. goes down. Don't you worry. I, I'm going to say there is there is southwest shenanigans going on between Exeter and <laughs> Extra Plymouth. One of the guys with yeah. drawn was Frankie Knoll. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. So a famous name, anyway, famous name who's coming through. So I, watch out for him. I mm. just, I just every time I go to Sandy Park, I just love Exeter it's a little bit more. And, so cool, isn't it? Uh, uh, you say the hotel was there, which I thought, what a brilliant use of your money. That's what the CBC money should be used for. Invest it in something which is going to bear fruit in the long term and could turn in, could make more money than the actual um, the CBC money itself rather than frittering it. But, but then first person I saw when I pulled into the car park, Harry Williams, who was in a Toyota Co- Colorado van, 2010 Reg, Bit bit busted up, like he goes out and you know surfs or go, goes out into the countryside or whatever. He said hello. He walked into the stand uh, in his flip flops, walked straight to the to the ladies in the coffee um, place, camp the camper coffee just inside the gates. Got himself a an espresso, paid them money. Wasn't expecting anything. Said hello to absolutely. I watched him. I was just behind him, and he said hello to absolutely everyone at the club on his way. And uh, I just I. I just come away slightly more in love with Exeter every time I go down there. Yeah, I, awesome. I, I can only back up everything you've said. When you go down there, you re- if you haven't been to Exeter Chiefs, you won't realise how how special the club is. It is absolutely awesome. It really is. And t- Tim, what was the feeling uh, after full time at this game? Because obviously Exeter, they won. They won 13-8 against a combative Munster side. But it felt, watching it, that they... They spent a lot of effort and didn't get as much out of this game as they perhaps should have done. So was that the kind of the feeling on the ground? I think it probably was, but Dave Ewers certainly didn't give that a sense. And Rob Baxter, uh, which I, and the chat with him was after we were on air, and he uh, after we were off air because it was a short uh, short end of game, and he certainly wasn't like that. He he was like I'm re- I'm really proud of the boys emotionally. I haven't seen them that together for a long time. The defence that they put in and to keep months, a team like Munster to only eight points is uh, I'm really proud of them. And do you know what? Actually, ne- it makes it easier for us next week. We know we've just got to go to Thoman Park and win, which is an easy thing to say. But uh, he was he'd already within five minutes of the full time whistle, he'd got a st- uh, and this is I think what good leaders do. He 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 had a story in his mind that he is telling his players that just makes it very simple and very em- focused on them. But it, I mean, I I don't think 
an Exeter player would have gone to bed last night thinking that. They, I think in their mind it would have been, are we really, really... Like the difference between taking twelve or fourteen point lead to a six uh, to a five point lead to over to Munster is is absolutely massive. Yeah. I don't think five points is going to be enough. I, I I think they would have yeah they would have and arguably should have given some of the uh, possession and territory they had. They should be taking a ten fifteen point lead. But those those two, mean, two yellow cards they are had crucial. The ball over, they had the ball over the try line three. Or four times. Yeah. Did Rob Buxton not tell you? Did he? Was it press conference said this? But he wasn't particularly. He's not happy with the new law changes, because no. Well, he did. He, yeah. He 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 definitely met. He said, "I don't normally talk." He said this to me, and I think evidently in the press conference afterwards, he said, "I don't normally mention um, decisions in games, but and in the case of he said, in the case of the Ollie Woodburn one, I'm a hundred percent with him." He said, "If you freeze framed." any ruck in a match you would find someone has some part of their body near the head of another player at yeah. some point and I, I i just i think no, no i'm not i'm not blaming niall scannell for this but niall scannell's reaction got ollie woodburn a yellow card ollie woodburn's actions did not get ollie woodburn a yellow card if that makes perverse sense in any way it it does yeah it does make sense because um, he did go down holding his head neck area um i i'm i was okay with that as a yellow card but i i i do also get baxter's point that there is there is constant contact with heads shoulders necks in rooks because it's an incredibly difficult messy thing to do at the best of times yeah it is um, well, what is the coaching point for ollie woodburn don't go to rooks where Niall scandal is present <laughs> uh, lower he, bit more of an I, angle. I would say he he made an effort to like get his shoulder well away from the head. Actually, based on oh, you've got to be careful. We can't have shoulder to head at the ruck area. So he's he's taken his shoulder away from Niall Scannell's head, it, who was in a totally illegal position yeah, on the, the wrong side. And the, the only coaching point is don't just don't bother and hope the ref gives you a penalty. But if he doesn't, then. You're screwed. I, I, I don't know. I just, can, I, 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 I really think if that referee, and I don't actually, I, I'm only guessing based on that one decision, that referee's not played rugby at, uh, at a decent level. Well, in the, the, pro- I, the problem, I could be completely wrong. Well, the, the, pro- the problem with this is you're going to make the rook ever more difficult. It's, the rook's already a nightmare to referee. It's going to just get more and more and more difficult and. People are going to be afraid to go into rooks because of the consequences. People will be afraid to referee the rooks. You'll get inconsistent decisions. It's just a nightmare all round. Mm. I, I think. That, all that, was... I mean, that that said, Exeter, Ollie Woodburn should have scored, and oh Ec- uh, Jacques Vermeulen should yeah. have scored. And oh, I can't remember who the was it. Um, was it Yendel? Yendel, Yendel yeah. sorry. Yeah, Yendel. Oh, so painful. I mean, they With should have. Con- Connor Murray did very well yeah. on that. But like, do when Connor Murray steals that ball. Whatever he does, that ball, right? Why is that completely different to what Patrick Schickling did for his yellow card? <laughs> I, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. I, to, I completely agree, JB. Because it's he's if it's over the try line, I get it because kind of it's it's a free for all over the try line. Whereas I don't, and it's not that I know that's not the technical term, but basically it's a free for all. Yeah, There's no is. offside line; like you can just do what you want. But it's not over the try line; it's before the try line. Well, this is a thing, right? So as I think Munster were guilty of this to a certain degree, and refs let it off. They ref 
like a couple of inches away from the try line, as, as if, if it's it is a, the, over the try line. Yeah, yeah. So they're looking for held up balls, and you know, you know some balls are not held up, some are held up. You know, they're, they're, teams are killing the ball because if the ball's over the try line, you can legitimately all sort of crowd around it and hold it up. But then if you make that decision to hold it up before you get over the try line, that's a stone cold penalty, yeah. probably a yellow card. Unless unless it's a maul rather than a tackle. Because if it's a tackle, you've got to release as the tackler. If it's a maul and that collapses, there's no obligation to release. Yeah, but even as a tackler, they're making the tackle, they're getting up, and if the ball is sort of in the vicinity of the try line, yeah, they're yeah. diving on the floor. Yeah, to, yeah. So at that point, they've got to give a penalty in the yellow card. And I think that might, in a, in a way, solve one of the issues we have, which is this ridiculous um, situation where... If you get held up, you have to have the goal line drop up. That's going to that has to change. That has to change. No, no, no. They said on Thursday the fifty twenty two and the goal line dropout are both staying. They're so permanent changes now. Fifty twenty two is great. So I'm all, I'm okay with them staying because as we've spoken about before, um, you can't just keep changing laws. You've got mm. you've got to have consistency. I the the problem with both of them, they do they incentivize kicking. Um, and the, the goal line drop. So you fifty twenty two. Obviously, if you get if you succeed in a fifty twenty two, that's brilliant. You get the ball inside the twenty. You get a line out inside the twenty two. If you miss the fifty twenty two and it stops within the dead ball zone, and you force the defense to touch it down, that's also brilliant because it's a goal line dropout. So you get the ball back close to the opposition, like just outside the twenty two. Give a scrum. Like it's. Both of those things are incentivizing kicking, which is not what world rugby want to do. That is true. It's, it's like it's kind of counterintuitive, and it, I know it's a it's the second order effect. I.e., it's the the risk for a defensive team of conceding a fifty twenty two or being forced to have a goal line dropout from touching the ball under your own sticks should enforce you to put two or three players back, which should open up more space um, for an attacking running game. But it's not really working like that at the moment. I think it's, the first order effect yeah. is greater, of, is of greater magnitude than the second order effect, which makes sense. Yeah, I, I like the fifty twenty two. I can stay goal line dropout is a, a stupid rule. Um, I'm trying to think why you would even implement it. I, I, you know, I don't see what it incentivizes other than very very scrappy defence and sort of almost gaming of the, uh, gaming of the system. Now everyone's looking for the hold up. Well, it's, it's the two things, isn't it? Yeah. Because if you if you kick through and, and it's touched down, that's a goal line dropout, but also the held up over the line. So the kick through incentivizes you kicking. The held up over the line is perhaps a bigger... It disincentivizes pick and go. Pick and go, and it incentivizes, as you say, the, the scrappy defence. And, Munster, and we, missed the old, we missed the old five-metre scrum as well. I can't remember the last five-metre scrum I watched. They're so good. They're like one of yeah. the best things in all of rugby. And, it's, and this is where I'm... I've said this a few times and people have written to us about this I would uh, if, you, if you're worried that a 5 metre scrum people are just using it to force penalties rather than as an attacking platform there's a very simple solution to that to uh, devalue the penalty yeah. if, you, if you want more running rugby incentivise the thing that you want but the problem is with devaluing a penalty is that um, you incentivise foul, foul play yeah, but you you can be strict on yellow cards. Yeah. So foul, foul play and cynical play, uh, 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 the, yellow the, the, cards, the left, right, and centre. There, sorry, the reason you just gave there, Phil, is while I'm all right with the fifty twenty two, because in theory it should incentivise um, 
Well, no, no, actually, no, no. You're, you're trying to bring about what you want through a negative, aren't you? That's the point. You're not. You're not putting the. You're using the stick rather than the carrot. You, you're, you're. You're kind of going. Hopefully, this will make wingers stay back deeper, and then as a consequence, people might yeah. run more. But like, it's the, it's the second yeah. order effect that you. you so yeah. the first order yeah, effect right. is incentivized right. kicking and hoping for the second order effect, which is if you incentivize kicking, people will drop. You deep are right. Th- therefore, there'll be more space. You, you're absolutely on the money. I don't, let's not get too yes. stuck in the weeds there, because as we say, we had a brilliant game of rugby, and I, I've, as much as I, um, you know, mentioned some of Exeter's uh, both failings to convert and also issues that I think maybe they were hard done by at whatever uh, the coaches at Munster said at half time was awesome there was a brilliant shot of Graham Roundtree list, uh, said hello at the weekend and uh, you know long time listener of the pod friend of the I pod wig. yeah friend of the pod um, he uh, it, you, the brilliant brilliant shot of him giving a, a real roast into his forwards who came out in the second half and were awesome and without Peter Amani and Tyg Byrne and um, was it Kilk uh, Kilcoin and Carberry and Clothy and, and 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 others as well. There's there's people I'm not even mentioning. Oh, Andrew Conway, some big big names. Yeah. Some of which will be back next week. Some young men really had like the two sixes were the two best players on the park. Dave Ewers and Jack O'Donoghue. Yeah. And and Hodnet the open side as well. Yeah, uh, they combine really Mun- nicely. Mun- Munster have been getting some some stick from quarters, but I, I don't think any Munster fan could be anything other than just very proud of a, a second half performance there's a lot of heart there and it's set, it's set the whole uh, and it's set next weekend up massively yeah this is yeah this is a very very good fixture isn't it as in what do you want an international fixture so a european fixture to be this is probably it i'm not sure they get much better yeah that the second game is poised beautifully this is i i think the payoff on the the, the games that are going to will be going to the 79th minute in the second tie is it, it is actually worth the um, the two tie situation I, I, I'm getting more on board with it hmm yeah right shall we move on to to, to something else yeah um, let's, let, let's do another game Tim your boys this weekend got, got one hell of a beating <laughs> unbelievable scenes <laughs> Go on. Marlow got done by Bister. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I- What's the, what is this? What? what? Uh, no, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll just embrace it. Good on you, Marlow. Well done, lads. Yeah, uh, quite remarkable. I'll also, I'll, also I'll, I'll also, while I'm at it, I'll mention an email from Sean Kasky. Uh, contact deadchasers at gmail.com. The subject note, Tim's team in Lisbon. Hey, guys. Uh, just thought you'd like to know, Marlow under-15s are playing against the Lisbon <laughs> Festival of Youth Rugby this weekend. Go on, under-15s. Thanks for your support, Thanks for your support Tim. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> so this actually... So, uh, cheers, JJ. It's okay. So, um, so Marlow got beaten by Bista, right? Now, on the face of it, not remarkable. Bista, as, as I understand it, have lost their ground. So their ground was... Base. now an outlet village? Yes. Well, so I, it came to me today. I've actually seen Bista Rugby Club. I've been to Bista Village, and the rugby club is right there. Apparently, they, they didn't renew their lease, so it's been taken over by the village. They've got to I go... I was joking. No, 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 no. Um, and they've wow. got to now go to some new sports complex, solar sports complex, and, and, it, and it's currently a, a bit of a struggle for them. So, uh, you know, um, good on them for winning. 
because that was uh, that's a big result. That's a huge result. Mm. And, and of course, gone. And I was going to say, oh, no, well, if you finish that point, and then uh, and then this is a beautiful way to dovetail into the next game. Yeah, uh, Ailes, um, Aylesbury smashed Wellingford, but standard. But um, I will point out that Wellingford has the best social um, or po- or post game social allegedly. So shout out to Ian, Ian, Ian Jeffries, then number eight, retiring on two hundred and sixty four caps, which is pretty cool. Very impressive. Yeah, that's that is very impressive indeed. Yeah. What was the other also, game? Also, uh, just I was going to say, um, Sam Hubbard, uh, Leicester fan, uh, based in Leicester, uh, has just asked for. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll reply to you. He just said uh, he's off to Lisbon the week after the next, and was wondering if there are any rooftop bars JB and Field recommend. Seven, yeah, loads. Park was good fun. Park was fine. What was the first one, first rooftop bar we went to? No idea, but you'll never find it. In, in, yeah, in a, like a shop. It, it felt Japanese the way we had to get into it through yes. like a shopping centre. Now, if you've not drank in, in Japanese rooftop bars, much like me and Phil have on a regular basis over, the, over two weeks, you won't know what we're talking about. But if you have, you'll immediately identify what we're saying. Yes, and there was a, there was a late night bar in a little railway arch uh, called Pink something, Pink Street or Pink Gin. Yeah, that was quite good fun. That was very lively. Yeah, there are loads. I've got a whole map of them. And Time Out Market was good to go to. Time Out Market in the morning is great. Yeah, that was very good. There you go, Sam. There you go, Sam. Sorted. I'll just mention one other game. Tunbridge Judians had a yes. an epic win. Uh, they were up against Leeds Tykes, so bottom v second bottom in the championship, and. Leeds Tykes scored a try to go ahead in the 79th minute. Tunbridge Judians at home, uh, heartbroken. They got a penalty in deep in injury time to uh, sneak a win, 29 to 27. Yeah, well, yes, Hugo. Uh, well, this league this week, right? Hang on, let me just get this right. This is that one we're talking about, isn't it, Judians? Yeah. Yes. So that was the oh, game. Oh, yeah, sorry, that one. Sorry. Yeah. So that was the game that let... Darlington, sorry, that let Plymouth off the hook effectively. Um, uh, okay. Simultaneously, right? Hang on. No, that, no, I've got the wrong league now. The league below, sorry, there is a massive upset because Huddersfield, hang on, is that the same league? No, different. No, that's that one, the, Nat two the, is yeah, Huddersfield, yeah, yeah, Rotherham, yeah. essentially. Yeah, so I don't know if you noticed this. Um, Huddersfield managed to beat Rotherham, which was unbelievable. That is remarkable because Rotherham are Rosmer's second top and Huddersfield are bottom or there or thereabouts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Some, something's Did happened you, there. Something has happened. Uh, as in, like it's a it's a wedding or a stag. Like half the team's missing. Yeah. Or they've just decided Rotherham have just decided uh, yeah. maybe we shouldn't go up this year. Like yeah, like yeah. an aerospace disaster. Something has happened. <laughs> Something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, we've spoken we've spoken about your team, JB uh, Tok H and their championship again. We've spoken about my team, <laughs> Marlow apparently. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Phil's team. Oh. Like, you must be so proud of those Ulstermen. Pride. The, this this was one hell of a game. This it this is awesome. this is one of the best games I've watched in a long, long time. It was absolutely magnificent. And two teams that two magnificent teams in very for very, very different reasons, two magnificent teams. This was incredible. And the the uh Malia red card after ten minutes, it did change the game slightly. I don't think it fundamentally changed the game. Like it, Toulon they did not. So some teams. So that, um, Toulouse. 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 So some teams change the way they play when they have a red card. And Leicester, just this weekend, actually, being an example, you saw 
a lot more kicking. Um, George Ford going for his spiral bomb, which was uh, very effective with Freddie Stewart under it for the final try when they went down to 10 men because they just wanted to play simple rugby. Toulouse did nothing of the sort. They were running everything from everywhere with 14 men for 70 minutes, which made it a remarkable game to watch. It was absolutely incredible. And Ulster were... Over the 80 minutes, the better team deserved to win, but they actually could have lost it because Toulouse finished this game like an like a train. They were the strongest team after after 65, 70, 75 minutes, and had the game gone on for three minutes longer, Toulouse would have won. Yeah, that Mali red card nailed down red card. It was a nasty fall as well. It was it was an ugly fall yeah. and, and Moxham went off after that like, I hope he's okay because Rob Little replaced him for the remainder of the game now it wasn't it wasn't deliberate it's just clum- totally clumsy um, and a bit there is there is a clear coaching point on that that if you, if you are competing for a ball where there are other people unless you are 100% certain no one is around you you have to get off your feet you have to, have to yeah. get into the air to compete for that ball just on a Ulster not the world's biggest squad. No. Nope. Very talented starting 15. Traditionally being considered maybe a little bit fragile. Mm-hmm. But why are they so good now? They've, they've been... So they can do it in one-off games. And they've, they've done it over the last few seasons. They've beaten Claremont. Um, they've beaten Leinster several times. They've beaten other teams in one-off games. It's whether, it's whether they can back it up consistently. But... A few things like the the centre partnership of Hume and McCloskey is yeah. brilliant, and yeah. you've got a kind of a classic. The McCloskey is the the big battering ram. Hume's got a lovely outside break. Both got some nice hands. McCloskey set up Balakun his first try, I think. No, second try, beautifully. So that's good. Burns and Cooney playing really nice stuff, and and Nathan, yeah. Nathan Doak coming off the bench, putting some pressure on Cooney is another very good young. Um, scrum half Cooney and Burns are a great example right two mm. lads who are with the best will in the world not international international quality like Cooney has had a few caps Co- yeah and Cooney arguably should have got more caps I think yeah. but you know the reason he hasn't is because there is a world class scrum half in his position and I think <clears> they sort of symbolise this team in terms of like all very very uh, good but very world class world class New Zealand not world class New Zealander who was jettisoned in as a project player. So I, I, I'd, I'd be quite, I'd, I'd be a little bit upset who? if I was John Cooney. M- Murray, I was referring to well, Murray. J- James, Jameson Gibson Parks. Yeah, first Murray's, Irish yeah Murray's not playing now, is he? Yeah, okay. but, but maybe Cooney was playing his best rugby two seasons ago yeah. when when yeah, Murray yeah. was the first yeah. choice at that point. It's just but, fair. Yeah. fair. It's it's how settled they are and how well coached they are. Yeah, I mean that's that's what that's what makes they, it for me. But they've they've got so. Losing Stockers, who's been out for so long now, um, but to find find two other um, close to world class, I think I actually think Balakun is is not far off world class, mm-hmm. um, but two other back three players who are world class or there or thereabouts in in Mike Lowry and Robbie Balakun, who is Balakun's almost untouchable at the moment. But he's, he's got a hat trick in this game, and he's. He's a brilliant all-round player. He's great under the high ball. He's good defensively. He's work rate. He was putting in some big hits and working hard right across the park in this game. Mm. Getting getting the and most I, out I, of guys like that is amazing. Totally, and I would say those those two guys are great examples of what Ulster have developed over the last few years. They've been without 
a lot of Ulstermen, really. Mm. And but there's there's guys like that, and then there's guys that can come off the bench, like Tom O'Toole at prop. Tom, who Tom O'Toole actually is. Yeah, he he's improved massively over the last few years, and so they've got they've got guys that are Ulstermen that were just promising youngsters that are now first team quality, and that that's what's changed. So some, you're right in their squad is small, but uh, and not as deep as others. But some of the players they can bring in or have developed. And are now first yeah, and, starters and thing are starters of high quality. It's that development thing, isn't it, which is important because there's a lot of guys here who, after their first year or two, probably wouldn't have survived in the Premiership, but you let them develop and then and then they do. Well, Tom O'Toole, you just mentioned, so he, he's 23. Um, yeah, there was, I think, shortly after he came on, uh, he was packing down against it's a front row, an international front row of Faumaina, Malvaca, and Cyril Bai. <laughs> Which is enormous. Yeah. Tom O'Toole is not the biggest um, tight head prop. He is a very strong boy, but he's not an enormous tight head prop. And he destroyed them. He, he he he's just such a good player. And it's 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 things like that and things like Kieran Treadwell as an ex- another example. Yeah, former Quins, former Quins yeah. who came in and put some monstrous hips hits in. And they're just they're getting the best out of these players. Yeah, Marty Moore being another one. I mean, Marty Moore spent yeah, some time. Yeah, was a great great like, example. You know, not great, not yeah. bad, very very good here. But then you you dot in someone like Dwayne Vermarlin, who is such an important figure as a leader, as a focal point, as someone who's been there and done it done it all. Um, He's such a useful player to have because he is. He is useful. That's a word used to describe Dwayne Vermont often. Useful to use, have about. Very, very handy. But he's so he's what thirty five, thirty six. <laughs> he's not. He's not um, as explosive as he once was, but he's so handy for the, for that leadership and just the focal point. Yeah. When to give you go forward when things are looking a bit difficult. So it, it was a. It was a very good all-round performance. But as I said before, had this game gone on for three minutes longer, Toulouse would have won. They would have scored another try because that Ulster team, despite being a man up for 70 minutes, they ha- they were made to work so hard for everything because that Toulouse team... And I know they're not um, in the league performing as well. as They're still in the top uh, five or six in the league, but they've had a few um, up-and-down results. That is some team. The way that they throw the ball around, the way they offload at pace and come through and just create things from nothing because they've got so many dangerous players. They are a nightmare. And I, do you think do, do you think six points will be enough, Phil? I'm just trying so, to think. I was I I, I worked on a Ulster Toulouse game at Ravenhill. I think it was a pool game a couple two seasons ago, was it? Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to cast my mind back. I, th- I think they played them, and I, I'm pretty sure Ulster almost had them, but just lost it at the end. I think Colby ended up uh, scoring a winner. But anyway, I, I don't know. Do you, how do you feel about six-point cushion? So when it was going to be a 13-point cushion, I was I was reasonably confident. When they scored that try, when Untermack, uh, and in the last five minutes, I don't know if you noticed, but... Um, Dupont, they brought on the reserve scrum half, but left Dupont on the field. So Dupont went to first receiver, and Untermack went to second receiver, and that's that's exactly how they scored the try. Yeah. Um, when he went over, and they get the seven points to make it twenty points to twenty six, or twenty yeah twenty points to twenty six. I I think that's just tipped it into 
uh, Toulouse's favour. Yeah. I, I think it's a 60-40 in Toulouse's favour as it currently stands. Yeah, it, it's uh, Toulouse's starting team is awesome. Uh, it, I'm looking at their bench, and my God. Cyril Bay, Charlie Farmerino, Richie Arnold, Anthony Jalanche. Not bad, is it? Yeah, no, crazy. Not, not bad. Gatun, Placino, oh, Placino. Did you see? It, it was the just before the Balakun try. Placine went down with no one around. Oh, no one touched him really. Oh no, it, I didn't see that. It looked like he snapped his Achilles. Oh. It looked. He just went down holding the back of his oh, foot yeah, calf. Right. And I watched it about three times to try and work out. That was when Balakun did the intercept. Yeah, it? It, it was like seconds before. It was about five seconds before Balakun intercepts. That looked awful. Because they, they actually mentioned as he was getting stretched off. Because he had the whole, <sighs> the whole interlude where Balakun takes 30 seconds to put the ball down because everyone gave up chasing him. Um, and then you had question marks over whether he was onside or offside and then at the end of that so there was about a five minute plus stoppage and as Placine was getting stretched off they mentioned that he wasn't 100% fit coming into the game they were trying to get him starting couldn't get him starting and then he's come on and what looks like a bad bad injury so I hope he's okay yeah, yeah, completely, completely, yeah, completely. Well, uh, just, just, just on bad injuries. I, before I forget, and I apologise, JB, to cut across you, but no, Dan Levy announced his retirement. Yeah, Dan Levy. And think back to 2018 when he was just an absolute monster when Ireland won the Grand Slam, and he came, he'd come out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, Ireland are just pulling back row players out of the ground like orcs in Lord of the Rings. But uh, <laughs> Dan Levy was uh, was a special player and with the world at his feet and only 25, I think he is now is he, uh, and has had to retire. Yeah, he's still a young man. It's such a shame that because we, yeah. we, we only got to see glimpses of him at his best. Yeah. And the the other one, and, and uh, well, and before you got well, yeah, go on for what were you going to say? I was going to say the other the other one uh, who's retired. Irish um, bulldozing back rower Sean O'Brien, yes, as well, yes. Has uh, he retired? Not with immediate effect at the end of the season, yeah. Uh, yeah end of the end season, of the season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had a, life, a fantastic career, and the the Tullock Tank uh, enjoy your retirement. Well played. And the the other one, of course, is sad news because it's no age whatsoever. Uh, Tom Smith. Yeah. Yeah. God. That is Eight, 50, 50 years young. It's uh, really really sad. An, an incredible player. I, um, I watched back some of the... Uh, was it 97? 97 Lions tour to South Africa, which is a brutal, brutal tour, and he was an incredible player. Absolute yeah. quality. Uh, d- diminutive by... Yeah. Well, certainly by South African prop standards, but by yeah. by any prop standards, and just he kind of... He kind of reinvented that role. He, he was one of the first prop forwards who played like a modern professional athlete should play rugby union as a loose said prop just or just non-stop engine and uh yeah just a, a lovely very very softly spoken human being and I, I was at a rugby writers dinner a couple of years ago and tom smith came along and obviously his he, he was quite poorly at that point and it, it's, it's it's mad to see someone so softly spoken and so uh he never there was no hyperbole in what he said. He, he didn't. There was no drama, and yet, and just to see a whole room of people completely hanging on his every word. It's uh, yeah, special, special human being, and yeah, dead sad. We'll uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Did anyone watch Sale Sharks Bristol? No, I watched. I knew you'd be watching it, so I watched 
the other game, the Bordeaux-La Rochelle game, which was great. Well played, Phil. You dodged a bullet, mate. <laughs> I did. I, I flipped over to see Semi's try. Uh that was that was about the only thing I could tell you from this game. Semi Rondrada scored a lovely try. My word! I mean, just it's disappointing. Uh, look, it's only half time. It's <laughs> and that is, one point in it. I'm very confident Sale are going to turn this round and absolutely smash Bristol next week. I, I'm, I'm certain of it. I've never been more certain of anything in my life. I think I think they will do as well. But just watching how they played, and I was thinking, what's going to come around, around the corner for Sale now? I mean, they're, they're going to have to... Re- I mean, this comes on the back, of course, because we didn't talk about it, uh, because it only broke this week, that Lude and Faf are on, are on the way. Which was... It's been kind of hinted at for a while. It's not... It's not That's not come out of the blue, has it? No, I, I have... I, this is actually what I've been saying for a long time. It would not have surprised me one bit if they go, and then they went. It just, you know, it makes... It, it, to me, it actually makes sense if they do go. They need to unwind a lot of the South African signings because of all the uh, eligibility stuff and yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. But just watching how Sale were playing, they're so blunt. So blunt. There's very little cr- cr- creativity. I mean, kicking nine points against one of the worst defensive teams in the league is just pathetic. And if you think about how good this game was last year, do you remember when Bristol came to the AJ Bell? It was probably one of the games of the season. It was unbelievable. But for whatever reason it is, Sale have just taken a, well, a backward step. It's t- it- both teams have taken big backwards. The, the Sale and Bristol, who were both top four last season, are they're totally different teams to the Sale and Bristol that we see this yeah. year. Well, I don't really want to talk about Bristol. Let's just focus on the on like the Sale bit because you know there is I, I don't know there, there's something very wrong very wrong with this team. Uh, it's just it's hard to hard to quantify exactly what it is, but they're just lacking any sort of creative vision. Not enough emotion. Or too much emotion. It's got to be something to do with emotion, right? It's yeah. got to be, right? Or having a Dupree at 10. Oh, yeah. The unbelievable uh, Rob Dupree. So, I don't know. Rob Dupree, who, um, who carries like his brothers and also passes like his, uh, <laughs> uh, like his, <laughs> like his brothers. So, uh, it, was, it was disappointing. I'm sure they'll bounce back next week. Do you know what they look like? They look like a team that got beaten by, hot, by Saracens badly last week. That's what they look like, hmm. and they've lost a bit of confidence. So you, missed... I'll, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll sorry, go on, Phil. No, I was, talk about this game because I was going to move on to the other game that I watched. Well, yeah, I'll just briefly say, just to sort of as a counterweight, even more vindication for quite bold selection on Pat Lamb's part. Because uh... going into let's going into a European knockout game, albeit over two legs, but nevertheless, on the bench. A humongous portion of his salary uh, <laughs> structure: Stephen Lewatua, Charles Piatel, and Sammy Randrandra, all on the bench. Yeah, which is a bold move. And he something he identified a few weeks ago when he said, "We are the best, the best team in the league at starting games. We're the worst team comfortably in the last twenty minutes." So he's kind of patched that up a little bit by going, "I'm just, I'm going to leave some reserves on the bench," and it's a brave call. And it, and it could easily backfire, and then he looks ridiculous. What are you doing with a bench including Piatel, Luatua, and Randrandra? But yeah, fair play. He's taken a he's taken a, a slender lead back to a home game, and the return of Nathan Hughes too. I mean, I can't imagine how that goes go, go, goes down. It's it's a bit weird the whole Hughes it's Bath so Bristol situation. So he goes to Bath, and he was really quite good. I was very impressed with him. I thought, yeah, that's actually the guy they thought they thought they were signing. Whatever it is at Bristol, he's just not having a good time. 
Like, can you imagine being Stephen Lewis tour? And they're like, yeah, we're starting Nathan. What? <laughs> like, I just can't see how that really works. But they did it, and they've got a one-point advantage against a game that hopefully they will lose next week. Mm. Well, well, here's one thing, then. A very quick dovetail from Nathan Hughes to Zach Mercer, who had a, great, who had a very good game from Montpellier. Yes. Yeah. But all of, all of a sudden, uh, tw- it only took one game from Nathan Hughes to say... He should be picked for England. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Cocker's Law, if you had to put Zach Mercer into the England squad, who would you drop? Would it be Sam Simmons? Would it be Alex Dombrandt? Would it be Tom Curry? Because uh, uh, one of those has got to be dropped yeah, if, you, I, if, you want, if you want to have Zach Mercer in your England squad. So it's, it's all well and good saying he should be, he should be, he should be playing for England. Well, Dombrand based on today on today's <laughs> There's direct opposition. Yeah, well, I, there I, you go. Yeah, there I, you go. At least you've answered it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring Mercer in. <laughs> that would be my answer. He has always confounded me, Mercer, because even in Bath, when they were woeful, and they still are woeful, he always seemed to play well. He always he, he seems is, to be the leading light. He is a very good player. Yeah, he, so, he's a great he player. player. If you can play really well in bad teams and really well in great teams, I don't see. I don't see what the disconnect is from what he is and to what England want because he's a bit taller. I mean, he's not—he's certainly not a specimen in the way that a PS species. Although, did you hear the commentary? Really interesting commentary. Apparently, um, the coaches at Montpellier rate him higher than PSB, higher than a young Louis Pickamol or an old Louis Pickamol as they had both of them um, <laughs> yeah. so they really do like him but I don't see why his undoubted prowess at club rugby has not translated to, in, to more international honours I'd love to know what Eddie thinks about him so I suspect it's something like he can't carry in heavy traffic there must be something very I'd- specifically he doesn't like about him I, I think there is a little bit of that, the carrying in heavy traffic. I think also his conditioning. So he's, he's quite athletic, but he carries some quite, quite a lot of bad weight. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it's, it's a weird combo. Yeah, so he's very explosive. He's very fast. Mm. But you are right. When you look at him, you're like, that's not the guy who works out that much, is yeah. it? Yeah, and that, I, do, I think Eddie does like the people who... Work hard. Work very hard. That is apparently... Uh, I was, was going to say on that, I, but just when I watch him, I think, and I'm someone, just look at how I've talked about Alex Dombrand over the years, I like to focus on what people can do rather than looking at what, rather than emphasising what they can't do. And when someone can do something really special, try and make the most out of that. Zach Mercer, who is kind of like Alex Dombrand in that sense, with when you have the ball, he's got the hands of a centre, the footwork of a... Of a, of a three-quarter as well. Gas, he's a really, really good player with the ball. Uh, he, You probably do need to make up for a, a lack of work rate overall. Yeah, Not so, a lack of work rate. That sounds like a criticism. I just I just mean well, that's... If he's, if he's, he's running... Not, he's not a Mark Wilson, yeah. 30 tackles a yeah. game guy. If he's, hitting, it, hitting rucks. And I think teams get the best out of him, as Bath did and as Montpellier do, when they just say, don't, don't worry about hitting loads of rucks. Get exactly. your hands on the ball. Yeah, we'll get. We've got other guys that will do that. Yeah, we'll get Johnny Hill to do that, or we'll get you know someone exactly. like that exactly. who loves hitting rucks. Mm. Um, well, I was going to say something about him, but it's escaped me. Um, yeah, sorry, fine. My, my, oh yeah, Eddie Jones, that. Eddie Jones. So Eddie Jones, that would uh, t- tally into something which I know about Eddie Jones, which is he really respects the smaller guys who work out really hard because mm. he is a smaller He's guy. A, he is. Yeah. You know, so that's just one of the things that he values. Yeah. Um, 
Now this so you're saying that like it's not like that, I, I imagine that's fascinating actually narcissism yeah. getting getting involved in international selection. No, but I bet it's rife. Absolutely, absolutely rife. I know, I know what I want, and I'll take what I want. I mean, Eddie must. So, be- so if you had like, a, if your head coach was like a, um, I'm just trying to think of an example. Let's say uh, Matt Dunning becomes. Australia's head coach at some point. Then what you do if you're a player is you go, you go, to, you call him up and go, hey, hey, Matt, I just wanted to chat. Oh, actually, sorry, I, I've been feeling a bit down. People have been giving me some stick for being overweight. Um, anyway, let's get back to talking about um, my international future. Exactly. Really pull on his heartstrings. Oh, you say, oh, sorry, Matt, I've just dropped a goal from fifty yards. When oh, <laughs> when you needed five points. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I should. <laughs> we needed a try. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, here's another thing from this game. In fact, there's loads of things in this game, so we'll talk about them all. Um, I just wonder a little bit about Andre Pollard. Is anyone else thinking the same thing that I'm thinking? Well, he's if you're going to say that he should be 12 for Leicester again, then no, I'm just, you've said it loads. Like, I just wonder why, every time I watch Montpellier, this guy isn't playing. I wonder why, like, they've got Gobisi at 10... Um, Demiru yeah. was playing someone else was playing but not but not the guy who a premiership club are about to dedicate what £500,000 to M- more yeah more than that I'm thinking what's the disconnect that, here that is an interesting question yeah so I just I, that is an interesting question I, I keep raising this question like why is that guy not playing and I don't know if he you know, maybe he's not creative enough for them Gobisi well, is very creative Gobisi is playing some good stuff but I wonder with with um, Montpellier it's because he's out, because he's going out, as in he's leaving the club. Therefore, they're yeah, focusing as much me. on on um, but even, the future. But even in those situations, I mean, it's knockout rugby. It was not yet knockout rugby, is it? It's two-legged rugby. It is with the you know, knockout flavour. Um, you would want your best, most expensive players to play. Mm. That's what I thought. But uh, no, I, I I know nothing about French rugby. I don't know about the club scene. I'm sure someone who does know about French rugby can inform me as to why he is not playing. Uh, drama, high drama. Why can't then, then, then again, I was just going to say, you know, uh, Baxter was didn't just pick Hog for this uh, because he was the most expensive and highest profile player last season. No, no, not in the playoffs, didn't. Mm. Mm. Um, so let's talk about the high drama, which is Harlequins playing uh, European rugby. And why do they do this? Why do they do it to everyone? It, uh, it's they've got to make it more interesting and exciting. They just want yeah. they just want to have to know they've got to score tries, tries, tries for the home leg, and that's what they'll do. Yeah, yeah and they're just doing it. They're just doing it to uh, in anticipation of selling season two of their <laughs> Amazon Prime documentary. Oh, which is made by who? Bano Abano. Bano Abano. Oh. <laughs> it looks aw- it looks awesome. Yeah, uh, it does look really good. Yeah, Harlequins are like a sort of absurd version of Exeter. So, do you remember a few years ago, uh, the best example of this was Exeter going to the corner at Saracens and not coming away with the pushover try until they did at the end. And they never uh, deviated from their strategy, just carried on going. And I would have lost my nerve at, at, at this point. At the fifth time of kicking yeah. for the corner and failing. I got, no, enough's enough. But... You know, fair play to Exeter. They carried on. They go, they go over and they win the game. First half, 
Marcus Smith and, and, and his boys looked like absolute amateurs. It, it was embarrassing at times. So yeah. I think they just were too slow to react. They weren't closing things down. Just, yeah, amateur hour. It's 26-0 at half-time. Yep. 34-0 down after 50 minutes. Pathetic. <laughs> Ridiculous. And then it starts sort of happening. They, yeah. Now, they have left themselves one hell of a mountain to climb. I still don't think it's going to be good enough. For 14 points, I think they can do it, whether they will do it. Because Montpellier are top of the top 14 at the moment. Yeah. This Montpellier team, Montpellier, over the last few years, have had some incredible names on the pitch and not always got the best out of them, it's fair to say. It is fair to say. They are... This is a good team. This is a team that is playing well and getting good results. So... This, I think this this try this um, fixture is another one that will be excellent next time around, yeah. uh, like next weekend. And, Mont- and Montpellier, they sort of they played into Harlequin's hands in that the mindset was clearly these these guys are not dead, these guys are, are not dead. They started kicking their points, mm. and I get what they're trying to do. They're just trying to extend that lead more and more. But actually, they they should have just carried on on the attack, retain retain the ball. You can't give Harlequins any ball, and they gave them far, far too much in far too much in the second half, where they could have done other things to prevent that. Mm. Quinns Quinns took their chances really well. The uh, Esther Hazen try, the March and try, the Liner try. They did. I mean, it took them fifty minutes to to start playing. Yeah. But when they did, they were clinical. I I, really, I think this is going to be a great game next week. I tend to agree with you there. Uh, whether. They can do what they want to do early doors to Montpellier. I don't know them. And that would be the test for me because when Montpellier are fresh and they can defend hard, um, Harlequins will not have it all their own way. They definitely won't have it all their own way because it's a massive Montpellier pack. But as it breaks down, that's when you'll start to see Caden Murley get loads of tries. (laughs) Or Lewis Liner. One of the the two. Yeah, two to one ratio in uh, favour of. Nearly. <laughs> uh, uh, just on Lewis Lyon, I think he's. A, I think he's a great player. I really think he is a great player. W- watching him today, he's just so. Yeah, you know, both both of them. To be fair, just so aggressive with their with their carrying. And Lina, they make things happen. Liner got Liner got the one try and set up two of the others as well. One yeah. one try and two assists. I'm always suspicious of a player whose father was a big name, and <laughs> the guy doesn't play in the same same position. Particularly, I you know I don't think. Like Owen Farrell. Well, at least Owen Farrell and his dad played broadly the same position. So, like, you'd say, yeah, okay, the genes can cross over from father to son. They both kick, they both pass, yada, 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 right? But Liner on the wing, the chance of him having the extremely fast genetics that you need to be a winger and have all the skills of his father, I just think that, that might be possible. But no, it is. He's absolutely brilliant. He's great. He is a quality player. Yeah, but, but you mentioned Faz. Uh, so Andy Farrell was at Sandy Park on Saturday. Interesting to watch to watch yeah. to watch all the island players, and he brought with him Owen Farrell's younger brother, who uh, is the spit of Owen Farrell. Is he really? It's frightening how much he looks like Faz. Does he look angry? <laughs> <laughs> he, he's he's a lot younger than Faz as well, isn't he? As in, like, yeah, a lot younger. He's like, like he looks about, at least about the same age as Louis, my lad. Like, he's, he looks yeah. about twelve or thirteen, something like that. So he'd, he'd be like, how six, so, Sorry, sorry, stop, stop there. I understand you saying Owen Farrell's lad is twelve or thirteen, something like that. 
but Louis is 12 or 13, something like that. <laughs> in that age range. Is that right? Well, in, that, in, that, in that age group, yeah. Uh, no, no, it's, it, it, it sounded like you didn't know the age of your own son there. <laughs> the way you said that. <laughs> uh, all right, so, what, you think he's going to sign for Ireland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, get him in, let the boys play. He'll be the uh, the next English or Irish 10. Well, hang on, presumably the Farrells live there, don't they? Probably you. You don't need to if, you, if you're an international coach. You live wherever you want. Eddie Jones. Lives Stuart in. Lancaster doesn't. No, Stuart Lancaster doesn't. Does he uh, yeah, he's a club coach. He commutes from. And he's a club Leeds. coach. That's he mad. Flies over. Wow. Far- Far- Le- Far- Le- he flies over from Leeds Bradford Airport. Farrell only needs to be in Ireland seven weeks of the year. Well, let's assume. Well, he probably sees more of his international players than their clubs see. So I don't. I don't. I don't know how all this time is broken up actually. But let's assume that he does live in Ireland. With his younger son, does his son now qualify on residency? residency? I mean, surely. It, well, if if it's what five consecutive years, yeah. But I mean, Farrell's an Irish last name, so. Well, he was, he was in the setup, wasn't wasn't he? And the and the Schmitz. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If, yeah, if he's le- lived there. But he'd have to live there. So you're assuming he's not going to uh, leave Ireland for the next at least five years um, he's not going to play internationally before his 18th birthday yeah. well I mean I, I, I'm very sneaky the and, Andy Farrell has a he probably has a a flat in the centre of Dublin I bet but like for example Party I work with Sarah I work with Sarah Elgan who's married to Simon Easterby the forwards mm. coach for Ireland and they live in South Wales yeah oh do they and he, Easterby yes. he's a Yorkshireman isn't he as well yeah. as obviously being playing for Ireland. Interesting, interesting. Um, and there's no provision, is there, to play for a nation just based on the fact that your dad is the coach? <laughs> uh, I mean, if, ask, if, ask, if any country would take advantage of it, if it was, it would be Ireland. It would be Ireland, you're, you're absolutely right. This is the most what? dastardly thing they've done since they poached Mike Haley from Sale. <laughs> well, well, ask Bryn Gatland. <laughs> he, he, never, he never got an international cap. Oh, well, hang on. What about Ruddock? <laughs> yeah. They stole Ruddock. He should have been Welsh. <laughs> oh, oh, point. All sorts going on. Absolutely. Um, uh, does anyone know who AGC Rugby are? AGC. Yeah. Is it like, is, is, is it the same, does G and C mean the same as 
the GC and RGC. No, 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 it doesn't. It's not Gog- Gogleth Cymru. So, big shout out here because um, one, one of us three is working, the, uh, working this game. You doing the Army Navy game, Tim? I'm not, not sure I can officially announce that. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, no, let's not fine. talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Uh, <laughs> let's just let's just move on. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Say, no, okay, no, but let's let's just mention the fact the Army Navy game is happening at the end of this month on April the thirtieth at Twickenham, and uh, Sam Matavesi was back in. I called it. We got an email from Jim. Uh, contact dictations at gmail.com. He says, uh, love the pod, blah, blah, blah. Great to see Sam Matavesi back in Navy colours yeah. today and beating the RAF. Sets us up for the Twickenham showdown against the Army. Tickets still available. If you need tickets, let me know and I'll sort you out. Cheers, Jim. So I am going as a guest of AGC Rugby, which is Adjutant General's Corps. Nice. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I hang around in the, in, in the right circles, some might say. Uh, yeah, so thanks to uh, Mick. Uh, Mick Mick Cotton, Cub Cubbins, and Jamie Jamie Omar, all um, all of AG, AGC Rugby. Awesome! Uh, they does sound pretty cool. That that's very cool. Uh, I mean, I don't know how we. Well, they sound fa- fairly might, important. AGC Rugby. There might be a few can, of them. Can, f- can you not get Can you not get Phil in, and then we can have a we can make a. Phil got, Phil, Phil got come. He's at a wedding. I've got a wedding in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah, he has. He has. I, I might. I might be taking. I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's that weekend. I just need to check, double check. But yes. Might be taking. Is, is there a guest. A, is any room in that AGC hospitality afterwards? Uh, there, are, I, I, I believe that there is for the right for, for the right people. I, I, I can talk to my people and then I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I just I'll just jump in with another email here. Uh, Doug Henderson, uh, nice one, nice one, Douglas Douglas Henderson. Contact Chases at gmail dot com. He says I've enjoyed listening to your podcast for the last six years. Where were you for the two and a half years before that, Doug? Yeah, um, no, good man. He says, just over three years ago, I moved to London from Toronto. And within two weeks, I joined a club in North London, Finchley RFC. As you have mentioned many times, it was a great way for me to find a community and friends as I got settled in a new country. Now, in fact, that whether you played rugby or not, that would be the mm. advice. If you move to a new country, find a rugby club. Yep. That's yes. a great shout. Uh, he says, my final week in the UK was capped off with Finchley 15 winning London th- uh, 3 Northwest." with the last player of the final game of the season. Awesome. Well, do you know what, Doug? Enjoy that, Doug, because uh, as we said at the very start of the podcast, these are rare moments, but particularly in your case, it sounds extra special. He says, our nine took a quick tap penalty, dummy and stepped inside uh, at the halfway mark, storming down the field, drew in the 15 to release his 10, just inside the 22, and saunter under the post in the 80th minute <laughs> to seal it. It was uh, like watching DuPont and Intermac. Uh, he says, lots of uh, new and old fans were out to watch the, the home the home game and the change to making leagues more local should help rugby across the country. Uh, now, just to the oh, final part, leagues. he just says uh, back to Toronto to start pre-season for Bay Street Pigs RFC and uh, keep the winning feelings going and hopefully the Egg Chasers will come out for a Tier 3 tour to Toronto would... to watch our crumpling national team or the Toronto Arrows. Bring your boots and we'll be happy to give you some game time with the Pigs. Oh, yes. I'd love to go to Toronto. Go on the Defin- Definitely keen for that. Um, yeah, by the way, if you do want to play some rugby and you're over 35s, please get in touch with Egg Chasers general manager, Captain Captain Lee. We are putting out our, our over 35s team. And I think we've got a general 7s team as well. So if you're a player and you just want to play, play some rugby, get get in contact with us on the uh, on the contact. Well, what's the email address, Tim? Contact Chasers at gmail.com. Have we, have we entered officially tournaments now? Uh, I don't know which ones have entered that is above my pay grade, but Cap- <laughs> Cap- Captain Lee will sort it out. 
Captain Lee's got well, I, everything I think, in hand. I think Captain Lee is waiting on us to green light which ones we're at. Well, I want to so, do one in Llandidno, which is a, a brand new one, because that's, uh, that, that's my hometown and it's dead easy for me. I quite fancy North Dorset, but I also really want, really want to do Bournemouth. Hmm. Really wants to do, do, do Bournemouth, so we will we'll see. T- t- tell Captain Lee those three, and then let's get them, let's get them done. Let's get them in the diary. Yeah, we need to we need to sort it out. So if if, if you want to play, drop us an email. Uh, do you want to talk about Leicester Tigers some more? Because we just said well done, but we didn't actually <clears throat> talk about what they did, which was quite astonishing. It was. It was very impressive that Leicester performance too. To bully Claremont, and I, I, I mentioned it before about the, the kind of ageing Claremont team, and they're perhaps not the team they were. Um, they're still a very good team. They've still got talent right throughout. They've still got a monstrous pack. And Leicester bullied them. Yeah, do you know what the Claremont thing, or the ageing teams, it just sort of rang a bell a little bit, which is a lot of these French teams are, are ageing. And they seem to get a, a tremendous amount of value out of older players. So if I think of the historic Toulon teams, which started beating everyone up, but they were really old. Yeah, but, but that, that, the Toulon team was, it was international players who have got all the experience and all the leadership and all the knowledge and then combined them into one big team. And I think when Toulouse won it last year, they had two lads who were at least 37, if not 38. Jerome Kano. And uh, the enormous man. The enormous man. Um, yeah, Samoan, Samoan Sekiro. Not Maka, it was top... Doesn't matter. Him. Uh, Joe Takori. Joe Takori, that's, that's one. Yes. So yes, ageing. I don't know... They, they sort of remind me of AC Milan back, back in the day, when they had all of the 40-year-old... Uh, Mal, you know, Maldini's and Nesta's Maldini, Baresi and Nesta and, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah, exactly anyway that's Cle- it. unfortunately Claremont aren't this team wasn't playing like that and I don't think they've, they have done for a couple of seasons no. but this this is all about Leicester I think Leicester yeah. just looked so so good and their scrimmage I mean, Ellis Genge over the last six months has just turned into maybe the best loose head on the planet well, I, and the best uh, running forward on the planet, yeah. Re- kick returner. Uh, <laughs> just uh, he was scoring. Him and Montoya are so dangerous around the rooks because they've got that explosivity and that low centre of gravity. They're they're brilliant finishing off those tries. The the mauling of the Leicester team was excellent. The defence was excellent. Some of the wide passing game with Ford and Freddie Stewart was excellent. Oh my God, Freddie Stewart's hit was. Well, the hit he received looked painful. Which one was that? It's the one where he had to sit down for five or six minutes. It looked, it looked oh. like he was um, <laughs> in physical pain. The winding was so bad. Yeah. And then it, it was a late hit, but it wasn't late enough to be concerned about. The other one which uh, needs to talk, to talk we need to talk about is the Porter red card. Yeah. I've watched that three or four times and I still don't understand what happened. So it's a misread from Porter... Uh, yeah, but I I th- I genuinely think Fritz Lee was just out of his eye line. He's following the ball and the player going round, and, f- and Fritz Lee comes in. He from the thinks side. he thinks. I think. Yeah, I'm with you, Phil. I think he's looking at the ten, thinking he's going to wang a pass here. And yeah. He and he, Porter is anticipating the intercept. He's not looking at fit Fritz Lee at all. No, he, he's, he's now, looking at the ball. Now, is Fritz Lee trying to block him though? Fritz Lee seems to no. change his line of running. He's running a bit of his unders line, to, but I don't think he's trying to 
block Porter. I think he's just running the unders line to create the overs line out the back. What I, so what I don't get about this, so I can sort of, I'm trying to work out who Porter's look, looking at, so I'm glad you've described that for everyone, because I didn't see that. I Now you've explained it, yeah, that makes sense. So, he, so he's tracking, he's, he's looking at something else, and Porter's running, but what the hell's Fritz Lee looking at? <laughs> he's not really, so I think neither of them are quite in each other's eyeline. I, I think they've not really seen each other. They're both looking more inwards at where the ball is coming from the tens hand, and they've not really seen each other. So they, this this is one where I I get why it's a red card because there is there's head contact. I mean, it's head on head contact. They need to do something. Something must be done. It's, That's what's It's happened. off the ball. Now I'm I would be absolutely fine if this gets given as a rugby incident or a yellow card. I'm actually fine if it's a red card because then it's, at least it's consistent. Um, I don't really, I don't really have any problem with with any of those things, and it's such it's such an unusual unusual event that there might be one red card in in I don't know five seasons for something like this. So it's not yeah, it's not a well, it's, it's not a major issue either it, either way. It's not, and it didn't affect Leicester one bit. They just went on and did other things. Slightly changed their game and yeah. Scott they. They were seven nil in the twenty minutes that that they um, were man down. So. so, I would like to see that not be a red card because I just think it's a rugby incident. Yeah, what's happened here is you've put yourself in a situation as a referee because it's on the big screen. There's two guys. One has got blood pouring down down his head. You know the 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 the, the, the Twitter mob will be going. Something must be done, or you know you've got to take. Um, Welfare, welfare has got to be number one priority, and actually, welfare doesn't have to be number one priority. Entertainment has to be number one priority. If it's welfare, we wouldn't play 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 the game. So it just shows how stupid they are. Um, <laughs> well, even if you took a different priority and it wasn't entertainment, even if it was just integrity, uh, that could be another word you'd choose. Yeah, I, just... I, I think I, I think the decision has been taken because the outcome was two guys on the floor, one with blood coming out of their head. Yeah, that, that's that's why the decision was taken, but... not because objectively, if the two guys had got up and been patting each other on the back, shaking hands and, and jogged, that's on, exactly right, it, Tim. It, it would, yeah, it, it would it would not have been a red card. Yeah. Yes, if they just sort Agreed. of tangled and you know, so, so, sorry, bro. <laughs> you know that'd be fine, but uh, you know the fact that there's blood coming out everywhere and you know concussions. It is okay. It is okay that accidents happen sometimes. Yeah, that's that's allowed. Yeah, but yeah, you know, look, he got himself in the situation. The referee got himself in the situation, and something had to be done. So something was done, and I don't think he'll. As a referee, I don't think he's going to get criticised for being too harsh, is he? he on, no, how, he, yeah, so. he, definitely. The referee, the referee will get no criticism, and I'm. Uh, I'm kind of loath to give him criticism because he's applied the laws yeah. as they're written, yeah. and it, as I said before, this is you'll see one of these every five years, so it's it's not a big thing. Just not on, a big issue. on the ref, I thought he was very very that. good. Uh, a, a, um, a Georgian ref, uh, unbelievably wasn't speaking French to the French players, which uh, offensive. Uh, so outraged me. So outraged me. Uh, but I, I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, as all, of all the games, this one really flowed. I, th- I think, I think Leicester, I think. Tommy Raffel had a brilliant game yeah. at the breakdown. He got so many penalties, and he was he was everywhere. I think some of those penalties. I think maybe 
maybe I don't know twenty or thirty percent of those penalties with a different ref would have gone against him rather than for him. There's a few where perhaps he wasn't supporting his body weight, but he played the referee brilliantly. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have no issue with the referee in this game at all. What must George Ford think? I mean, he's he came to Leicester to win titles. He might win a title uh, this year, but I put that, that more down to Richard Wigglesworth. Um, you know, it's not it's not an accident. Um, and then at the end of the year, he's leaving. I, I think, Christ, I've just about got this team. My, my, literally, the first club team he's been at for ten years, well, probably since he was at Leicester last time, that or where he needs to be as a rugby player, and he's off. The Bath, the Bath team had one year yeah. in twenty. 15, I think. That's right, when they got knocked out of the semi final of the Hiding Cup by Leinster. And they lost in the final. They, they, I think they won the league and then lost in the final to Saracens. I'm sure they started. I think they started Sam Burgess in that game, didn't they? Yeah, I think they did. Over Carl Ferns. Uh, what a joke. I think George Ford, will, it, and he's got every reason and right to, I think that's how much he will back himself. That he he will think, he will not think that. He'll think. I'm enjoying this. I'm going to win the title this year, and I'm going to I'm going to make sure we win the title next year with Sale. Well, and I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him either. I would. I mean, the body of evidence suggests that he's been very good where where he goes. But uh, it's not. Do you just remember? About him. Do you remember when Quinns won the title because, uh, last year with like Marcus Smith? Everyone going that that guy's international class. And he wasn't getting picked. That'll be George <laughs> Ford next season, as it has been this season. Sorry, say again, Tim. When um, said what? Uh, so, so Mark uh, Quinn's definitely benefited from the fact that Marcus Smith was not used. I'm with you. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Leicester are getting that benefit this season, and Sale are going to get that benefit next season. Yeah, it's going to take a year or two. For, uh, look, Ben Darwin says it. It it, it takes three years for fly offs to get good. Um, I listen to everything Ben Darwin says, and therefore, for my mind, it's going to take at least two. At least two. Uh, <clears> I think that may be the case in in most cases, but I. Th- think and you've already pointed to sales uh, attacking bluntness at the moment it, he'll george ford will have an enormous impact well as an as an understudy to rob dupree <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah um well yeah. So, i just thought, I hope, just thought I hope, on the referee right. thing, I, really I, right. I don't necessarily agree with dan young a hundred percent on this but i just i'm going to read the email access quite it's, it's entertainingly written uh, hello gentlemen said dan I sent an email last week about inconsistencies between the refs. So I must applaud Carl Dixon for actually being consistently bad when it comes to making big Ooh. decisions. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Dan. Surely he's becoming a bit of a liability when it comes to those decisions. And I also look forward to hearing JB's view on Semi's performance versus Sale. Um, thank you for keeping me entertained on my commute to work. Yeah, well, we, we put off Semi and I'm glad you enjoyed that win, Dan. What, what, what a... Uh, <laughs> what what a brutal sentence or two! What has called it the, the wrong? I, I, I think it's a sentiment that quite a lot of people will be nodding along with. I have to say, just from what I've seen. Yeah, uh, I, it, I think Carl Dixon does get some stick. I, I think it's some stick because he's quite brash, isn't he? Um, you know, he's a handsome chap. He's in good shape. He's an ex-player. He knows what um, he knows what's what. Recently, he has got some stick, but actually, I looked look at the body of work that. He's compiled over his time as a ref. I think he's really good. I really do think he's... In fact, I think he's excellent. People have ups and downs. I, I suspect that he's good now and he'll continue to be good. But I do know what you mean. There are, have been some recently where he's got himself in a bit of, bit of trouble. 
And well, that was. I think this is related to the what what some people are saying should have been a red card between Leinster and Connacht. Oh yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Actually, that is, yeah, the B, BT. I want to talk, talk about them too. Um, yeah, the, uh, the BT pundits were saying that is a stone cold red card, and having watched it, I can't come to any different conclusion. I've not seen this one. Yeah, it's uh, just a the most blatant shoulder to a head that you that you've seen. And if that's not a red in which, card... In which game was this? Connacht Leinster. Okay. I've only seen the highlights of this game. Yeah, and if that's not a red card, I don't know what not know what a red card is. So, yeah, Dixon has probably let himself down a bit there. I did see the... I think he got given as a red card in the... Was it Breve Saracen? Saracen's won by 50 points. I have no idea what... Yeah. That is a... That's one of the worst um, hits I've seen in a long time. Did Owen Farrell yeah, do it? Was... it? No, not Owen Farrell. Oh, okay. Breve... I think it's brief. Fullback um, was it? Alan Davis made, makes a break, feeds the ball inside to I think Jamie George, who goes under the posts. And as he gives the final try scoring pass, the brief fullback just jumps up and nails him shoulder to the head. What? And I think totally, totally deliberately. As a brief, are getting hammered, um, frustrated, but there is no excuse. I think that's that could be like three, four months ban. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if it's that bad, uh, <laughs> which I mean, which if Breve aren't doing having a particularly good season, they're not enjoying themselves. Brilliant, he can just go. There you go. You can have a good, good old uh, summer, hol- summer holiday. He can start a good summer holiday. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know who I feel? There, there is... was always that time when footballers would do that. You know, they would they'd get themselves <laughs> a yellow card so they could have a good holiday. Now, do you know who else is um, treating their job a bit like a holiday? Uh... You're not going to like this, Tim. You're going to hate this. Not Pat Lam, is oh, it? What are you going to say? You're going to hate this. Uh, oh, yeah, I know you. I know where you're going. I, 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 I hate to, hate to do this, right? BT Sport, they're not smart enough. They are not smart enough for what they are doing. I, I was looking at the broadcast today, and the reason this upsets me so much um, is because. This is going to be the premier event in the Northern Hemisphere, which means it is the premier competition for club rugby in the world. It's the knockout phase, and everyone's dressed like they're going for Sunday... Well, not even going for Sunday lunch. They look like they're going to buy buy a sandwich from bloody co-op. Like they're, they're, Lauren Stalado was in some kind of walking windbreaker. What was... Like Stone, like Stone Island windbreaker type thing. What is that about? Like, it should now, uh, be... You're, you're going to you're gonna have to fill me in here because I, I was... I've been at my... This, my dad's 65th birthday, so we've been having oh, a happy... big family gathering. And, uh... Well, ha- so uh, I was... Well, was happy birthday to your dad. Day. So was this at location, at a ground? No. So, to be fair, the people at location looked relatively small, which is good. The people in the studio, I mean... The problem is, some of them are quite cool. And actually, the, Ugo, Ugo is completely excused from this. He 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 looks smart. Um, to, Tommy Bowen Bod and I don't. Uh, I'll apologise because I don't know her name. But the the, the lady presenting yesterday, oh, they, they, um, they all look quite head. Um, Jenny Jenny Drummond. I, I Jenny honestly Drummond. don't know. I, did, I never Scottish. I never saw her. Yes, yeah. yes, Scottish. Yeah, um, they they all looked pretty smart. But they just need to be smarter. Everyone, I think a collar is mandatory. I think probably a jacket. For finals, you've got to wear a tie. And the reason you... Because this is a huge event. Right? This is like, for some lads, this is the, the pinnacle of, of their career. It's knockout rugby in at the highest level that you can possibly play your club rugby at. 
when you turn on the TV, you want to feel like this is a, this is an event. And I know they, I know BT in the past have said we don't want to be too stuffy, and I think they always used to get the balance right. But I think it's something to do with lockdown. I think during lockdown, people didn't get as dressed up, and now it's sort of ran into their mainstream broadcast. It just needs to be a bit smarter. So that, that's yes, I do that's think there is. A, I do think there's. I will just say sorry, Phil. I will just say I do think there's a differentiation between on location and in the studio. And you look at BT Sports football coverage uh, at at the grounds when they're sat in the little room where you can see behind them the from the corner of the pitch. They're they're always, I mean, and and this is football. They yeah. are dressed up to the nines, yes. yeah. crisp suits. They're always, always looking sharp. Yes, so exactly and uh, and I I, pro- I always wear um, I always wear a shirt and a and a jacket and shoes when I'm out on location. I do think you can ease off a little bit in a studio and I, and when they're in Marseille Doyle will be in full shirt and tie Ugo will be as well um, for the finals so there is a, definitely a sense of occasion I do think you should cut a little bit of slack when you're in the studio uh, I mean uh, can you describe Lawrence Delilah's out, uh, outfit please Phil well, it, well, as, as I said before it's some kind of Stone Island windbreaker a Stone like- Island windbreaker a Stone Island windbreaker, <laughs> and Ugo next to him looking very smart. He's, in the guy's won a World shirt. Cup. He's won a World Cup. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, not, just like, not for dressing. You, like, you win a World Cup, you do what you want. You know, people have won. That's, that's an incentive for other people. Win a World Cup, do what you want. <laughs> people have won Super Bowls, and you watch the NFL coverage, and then they'll be in their suits and they'll be wearing their rings. You know. It's just all. I, I, it really winds me up. It really winds me up. It, it means they're not. Here's another example, right, of scruffiness in, in, in rugby. A very senior man within pre, pre, Premiership rugby in midsummer is wearing bloody Christmas socks, um, in and in and around the game. Now, you know, look, wear whatever socks you want. But like, when you're that senior within within the organisation, what if you happen to bump into like a future sponsor and you're, oh, this is the guy responsible for managing our message to uh, the outside world. Oh, brilliant! Let me just sign this check. What a serious sport they must be. Like, just take it seriously. It's, it, it's your job. Take it seriously. Uh, I will. I will just say, like, even though quite often, as is the case with the Exeter game at the weekend, you, you know, my wrist might be all that you see. I, uh, I I do think about even matching my socks and pockets square. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. If you don't take it seriously, why should your audience? But so, um, rant over. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Bod. Uh, Bod. Uh, Tommy Bow. And who, sorry, what did you say her name was? Jane. Jane. Jane Drummond. Jane Drummond. So that, that's a picture of them there. Bod in a uh, black shirt. Perfect. Uh, collar. Tommy Bow, a pink, pink or peachy shirt. He's got a collar. looks Looks great. And uh, Jane Drummond in a uh, cream blazer. Very, all very smart. Do you know who always? Sarah, looks- I love Sarah Elgan's jacket that she was wearing yesterday. Exactly uh, what I was going to say. Sarah Sam, always Sam looks Warburton, excellent. Sam Warburton, Peter Stringer, Andy Goode. Spot on. Yeah, just saying. Okay. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> and JB, seeing sing as your. Um, you're ranting about clothing. You you've dressed up and you're wearing shoes. I am today, but not any not any old let's shoes. Have, have look, oh, what? what these old things? These are let's have a look. Brand brand new Nano Twelves. Oh what? <laughs> they they are very nice. 
They're all right, aren't they? And I'm you got yourself get some new nanos. Some new nanos. And you know what? I'm going to retire. Let me see. Let me see, Jake. Let me see. No, uh, normally, uh, I'd be asking to see. Uh, people would be asking to can, see your bare feet. Can you? Can you the see? Screen. I'm asking to see your shoes. Can you see me? I'm contorting. Lovely. Oh, they go. are nice. That looked uncomfortable. The position you yeah. just had to get into <laughs> to show Tim your Frankie. your shoes. And I think I'm going to return my Metcons and get some Adidas drop sets. Oof. Mm. Lifting. Oof. Nice. Yeah. Can't, can't get enough of that. Very nice. But I wouldn't wear these to do a studio broadcast in, in BT Sport. <laughs> no, you'd be wearing your Stone Island windbreaker. <laughs> so, and my rock ports. I, was, I went to a, um, I went to a gym, a pure gym, uh, as I was driving down towards Exeter. I just stopped for a little workout on the way. Yeah, nice. Like, you know, it's a late kickoff. That's good. Obs and, obs and chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a guy in the gym, in a pure gym. This is important to point out because it was a pure gym. And he was wearing a lifting leotard. Fair play. Wow. He, his lifts were very good. He was doing some textbook power cleans and stuff. But I've just not seen that in a pure gym. I haven't seen someone with the with the proper weight shoes and a lifting leotard. So when I, I used to go to pure gym in Oldham, right? And I used to do some Olympic lifting on the platform there, which does make you very, very popular in a pure gym. Yeah, because everyone wants to curl on the, the lifting platform in a pure gym. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I ended up making friends with, with this guy who also did Olymp like Olympic, um, not the, yeah, the Olympic lifts. Do, you know, he's doing his overhead squats and you know all the all the component parts, and he's really good. So, um, uh, you know, uh, trained with this guy a few times. I'm like, where do you learn your Olympic, um, uh, your Olympic lifting? You know, you're really good at it. Prison. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. But very nice man. <laughs> uh, what else have we got to talk about? All the games from next week. I guess you can just listen to last week's podcast and take our predictions from them. Um, one, one more game that we not really touched on was while you were watching your beloved uh, Sale lose to Bristol. Um, Bordeaux La Rochelle. This was an interesting game. What happened? So they're second and third in the top 14. Yeah. Um, two really good teams. And there's there's a bit of spice between Ronan O'Gara and the Bordeaux. Urios. Urios. Christoph Urios. Yeah. There's there's no love lost between those two. <laughs> no, oh, really not. La Rochelle battered them. It's 31-13 in Bordeaux to to La Rochelle. Um, it, it was a good game, and it was... La Rochelle were the better team throughout... Um, and there's there's some there were some quality there's some quality players and quality performances, so some of the names are awesome in this team. So in Bordeaux you've got uh, Cordero, Tranduc, uh, Poirot, although he went off injured after three minutes. The best player on the planet, who Luku Cameron Wocky. Wocky 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 was one of the best players actually. Yeah, because he is, he's literally one of the best players on the planet. Scored a try and set one up. Um, he was definitely the best player on the Bordeaux team. Uh, you got Pickamols on there on La Rochelle. You got Bryce Dulan. You got Jonathan Dante. Raymond Rule scored a brilliant try, um, making Pickamols look every bit as old as he is. Uh, Danny Prizo, Uini Antonio, Will Skelton, and Aldrit, who was awesome, uh, and then Bottier, who was the he was the uh, twenty three on his back. So the outside back sub, uh, but basically covering half the team when he came off, came off the bench. Sounds but, about right. So that that I think 
I mean, Bordeaux are good enough to come back from that, but La Rochelle have positioned themselves very, very nicely for the second leg. Yeah, Jo um, Rule. Raymond Rule always runs with Jo Rule. Just when I <laughs> just just when I hear the name, <laughs> brothers, oh. aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Raymond and Jo, the Rule brothers. <laughs> you just reminded me. I was um, on the on the drive back from Exeter. I was I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and uh, and they started talking him and his mates started talking about Trapped in My Closet by R. Kelly. Oh my which god! I realised I'd never listened to what. So... <laughs> How have you never listened to that? <laughs> I'd never listened to it. They started playing some clips of it. Oh my and I god! Thought, oh my god! I've got to all these years on. I've got to. So I listened to it. Oh my god! That is hilarious. Uh, it's Tim. Like, there is a whole category of songs which were writ- written usually in the 70s which you, know, you couldn't write more offensive rugby songs now uh, like Gary Puckett Young Girl just listen to, listen to the words it's horrendous it's horrendous and there's, and there's, there's loads of them in, the- in those songs isn't it interesting how uh, sick, uh, when there's loads of songs about people that are 16 that sounds so much creepier than the ones about 17 yeah uh, I, I mean there's all like, incredible Whole whole you, were about to say, you were about to say you're trapped in my closet there, Phil. Yeah, yeah it, it's ludicrous. There's a whole genre, isn't there, of statutory rape rock, I guess. <laughs> no, it, this, is, this is ludicrous. The, the, the scene, it, well, the part of the song, the part of the whatever album where they're singing about the discovery of the the person in the kitchen cabinet <laughs> is just insane. <laughs> It's yeah. so ridiculous. You probably don't need to talk about um, Gary, 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 Gary Puckett or Jar Rule. No. Or... I do, I do like that you jump from R. Kelly to Gary Puckett <laughs> because it's the same principle. Yeah, it's the same I know, principle. I know. <laughs> hey, it's, it's only only one of us on this podcast has taken time out of our day to act, proactively go and see R. Kelly. Yes, yeah. that'd be me. Yeah, that would be me. Uh, that's not what it, you need to hear the full story. That's completely out of context. And it was a long time ago. <laughs> and I didn't pay. I didn't pay to go. Um, yes, okay. Right. Any more for any more? I'm trying to think if I've got any more things I want to talk about. Not really. Well, while, oh. while, you're, while you're thinking about that, I'll just mention Puddletown RFC, who've sent us a little uh, couple of pictures of the end of their season on uh, on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. They just said, boys letting their hair down after the last game of the season. A good season, finishing fifth in Dorset and Wilts Division 1 South with a limited player base. And as, as much as we've been celebrating the teams that are winning or uh, all the rest of it, just for some clubs, particularly post-COVID and everything, mm. getting through a season is no mean feat. Yeah. And so uh, fair, fair play, Puddletown RFC. Absolutely. Here, here's what I wanted to talk about, and you had something else. I, I might save it for next next week, but I'll, I'll give you a flavour of it. Um, the amount of games that have been called off this season for the front rows is ludicrous. The amount of teams which were struggling for front row and they go from level 8 all the way up to national leagues. Front row, well, goes all the way up to bloody um, Worcester Warriors, frankly. So, we've got a problem in rugby union that we need to solve this immediately, which is we cannot treat front row and people that play front row as if they're some sort of divine, divine creatures. Or what they do is so dangerous. You basically got two pools of people now: um, the people that play front row, who've almost formed a union and tell you how dangerous it is, and the people that believe them and think that 
playing front row is only slightly less dangerous than being like a, like a, a private contractor or a mercenary or some such sort of thing. Like they think Fight, that, fighting in the Ukraine as a mercenary for Putin's army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how dangerous they think front row is. So if you want to play front row, the referee's like, oh, have you got a, can you show me your front row CV? Can you show me your licences? It's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. And this is costing the game so many, so many weekends now. There's so many boys that can't, boys that can't, can't, can't go out and play because they've not bothered coaching front, front rows. So we've got this horrible situation where welfare first and foremost, safety first and foremost, it's not that hard. It's not that dangerous. It just isn't. Uh, and what you end up doing is you end up playing. So we played this week, and we played against a front row who they weren't of the standard required to, to, to play against us. Because what teams will end up doing, instead of getting their best player who is capable of playing front row, they will get the actual official front row from the second team or the third team or the mm-hmm. fourth team. And don't tell me that's safer, because it just simply is not safer. We need to be training more lads to play front row. Mm. It needs to be less of a um, or, you know, stigma stigma or... about it. Mm-hmm. And Unicorn. It, it, yeah, it's not bloody hard, boys. You can, you know, most people can do it. Uh, but I think the way that rugby handles the situation means that all these games are getting missed and cancelled because we just don't let people decide. If someone decides that they want to play front row that game, just let them play front row. And that will be that. Mm. I, I, I do agree with the general point. I think yeah. it's costing us so many games. Yeah, we don't want any more games cancelled. We had no. enough over the last two years. No, we, I mean we've had in our league two games cancelled against us purely for front row. Front row, and, and and maybe maybe coming it from the from the other side and and empower lads in, in a in if right now if you're reasonably strong, if you've got a reasonable deadlift but you play blindside flanker. You could, you can do, easily do it. You can do it. Most of the lads don't. You can we, do it. They don't even want to know. You know. Will you play proper? Oh no, I've heard it's horrible. It's not. It's easy. Then when they start playing, it's like, yeah, this is absolutely fine. It's not a hard position. And, and it's maybe twelve times a game for ten seconds at a time. You can do it, and it'll be a, a brilliant. Uh, depending on the level, obviously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say there's necessarily someone in the Premiership because they do have options and stuff. But at lower leagues, particularly. You can do it. You can I, do it. I, I've, You've done it. We've talked about this before. I, I've I've done it and stepped in when we were short. Stepped in exactly that from the flat. Went yeah, sort it. I'll do it for the last twenty minutes. I'll go tight. Yeah. But that'd Whatever. be that'd be banned though. Oh, you not had experience. So it's like chicken and egg. Where do you get the experience from? And I, you know, mm. no one wants to drop down to the you know a, a junior team. But even if you're on a junior team, if you're on the most junior team, where would you get your experience then? Because you have to play for a more junior team than that before you can play front row. Nonsense! Absolute nonsense. Well, or, or maybe clubs should be a little bit more forward-thinking in this. And when they do have guys in second, third team, or whatever, just rotating them in so they get some exposure, mm, so they've got a little yeah. bit of confidence. Would would just that that could be done easily? Yeah, yeah, straight really away. Could. Really good. Yeah, solve the front row crisis. That is a real crisis. Is the front row crisis? Right. Next week's fixtures. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, rattle through them. Whoever won this week will win next week. <laughs> uh, so, Leinster beat Connacht. They're going to win. Yep. Bristol beat Sale. So, they're going to win by your logic. Uh, maybe not that one. Uh, okay. So we'll flip that around. Sale will win that one. Sale win. Bristol won away. So, Sale will win away. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, uh, where are we? On the, on the Saturday, Quinns 
is the early kickoff. Quinn Montpellier. Montpellier win that. I'm looking forward to that game. I think Quinn's can yeah. do it. You know, the French teams don't travel well. Montpellier, while they're doing well this season, bit flaky. Give me Quinn's. Not no chance. Montpellier smash them. Then La Rochelle Bordeaux. It's going to be a home win. Yep. Munster Exeter. That's two good games. They're both the three o'clock I kickoffs. Think Exeter win that. I think Exeter will win. I think it will be another very close game. Yeah. Um, then Leicester Clermont home win. Yeah. The big game, eight o'clock on Saturday night. That's such I'm a good. There. T- I'm there. Oh, it's such a good time to watch rugby as well. I love that time of game. Going to watch it without my phone, with nothing, no, nothing to distract me. I might have might have one or two DDH IPAs or deepers, one or two nice, Oof. very nice beers. On my own, with no distractions, watching my boys Ulster take down Toulouse. Come on, Ulster! That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Uh, although I actually think it's sixty forty in um, Toulouse's favour. I think Toulouse are slight favourites going into that. And then, ah, oh, that's a bit disappointing. Uh, just, just, I, just, I did, I did just want to say we don't have to go down a conversation. Yet. I'm just going to pin it to the notice board because if Ulster do pull that off. Just think one name that has never come up when we talk about next England coach, but Damn it, Farland. would be would be worth to be in the conversation is Damit Farland. He's yeah. done a brilliant job. Brilliant, brilliant job. And he's such a he's such a no no nonsense talker. Like Steve Borthwick gets a lot of credit for yeah. just kind of saying it how it is. And say, it's almost it's almost too hard to say the obvious stuff. Someone like Pat Sanderson Alex makes uh, sorry Alex Sanderson makes it all. He makes he wants to make it all seem like magic. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> it's not. It's not. We've deload. I mean, if, if I said to you, shall we deload your training this week? <laughs> oh, you want me to train less? So, McFarland is is doing a great. And whether whether um, Ulster get through or not, he is still doing a great job with. Uh, significantly less resources than Toulouse have got. Uh, put it that way. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Disappointingly, there's only one game on the Sunday, and it's one of the worst games. Racing ninety two hosts Stade Francais, which will be a home home win. Yeah. There, you, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there's there's obviously the Challenge Cup fixtures of which uh, BT Sport are covering those as well. But yes, in terms of the Champions Cup, that is the only game. In fact, there's a, in fact, there's only one Challenge Cup game on the Sunday as well. The Saracens one. That'll be what that'll be worth watching, I guess. Or will it? Not really. No. They're uh, worth by fifty points. So, well, it's a different format as well in the Challenge Cup. It's not the two-legged no, playoff. So it's the round the of sixteen now. Is this the first start of the round of sixteen? Yeah. Uh, presumably, they're not having two legs then. No. There you go. So it is, it is a round of sixteen knockout in the Challenge Cup. Great stuff. Yeah. And uh, in the United Rugby Championship. There were games, obviously, because, well, the South African team's not competing in Europe and Welsh team's not competing in Europe. <laughs> so so Scarlet's hammered Cardiff. Yeah, I saw that. They really hammered them. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. There you go. Really oh, Just one other... Just, I, I hope a uh, friend of the pod, Graham Roundtree, gets the gig at Munster. Yeah, that that would be an interesting permanent appointment. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see I'm that as well. That. If it feels like when you look at his CV, it feels like... Give, give him the reins to the ship now. He's uh, he's had enough number two and uh, and forward Forwards. and scrum coach and all that roles with with the Lions and 
Sam Warburton, who I worked with at the weekend, just speaks very, very highly of him. So, yeah, give him the gig. Yeah, it would be interesting then if if he does get that gig and does well. Because the, the constituent parts of it, because he was in the 2015 coaching team, wasn't he? The mm. England 2015 coaching team alongside Farrell and Mike Catt and Stuart Lancaster, who obviously that was the worst performance by, well, a home nation or as in host nation for a World Cup or an England team at a World Cup. But then interestingly, all of the constituent parts are going on and doing good things. So, mm. so interesting. Let's, let's, yeah. end, let's end on that note. Yeah. Right. Nice one. Well, I, I guess that. I'll see you all next week. Perfect. I'll, I'll be there in person, I promise. Well, it's Easter weekend, so are you having a long one in Wales, JB? So do, oh, yeah, we'll do, yeah, we'll, we'll do it on, do do it on, 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 do it on Monday. Oh, and also, will we have an, uh, the additional No yes, Woman, No, no I'm tripod. so sorry. That's, that's completely my bad. I thought I was going to be away for uh, a couple of days, and I haven't actually been home since uh, Tuesday. Couldn't, couldn't get out of Monaco again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm back tomorrow night. Um, so yes, I I will get through and get that sorted. There'll be an extra podcast in your feed imminently. Awesome, right? Perfect. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.